Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Good morning, Second Baptist Church. If you don't know me, my name is Emily Bowling, and I'm the youngest sister to Joseph, the comical brother, A&M grad and financial planner, Claire, the beautiful recent graduate and soon-to-be ICU nurse, and Caroline, the effervescent finance major at A&M, a.k.a. boss woman, as she told me to say. <laughs> so imagine bringing up the rear in the bowling home following those three dynamic personalities. What an arduous task this would be. Would I live up? Would I succeed? It looked like I might have already failed the bowling name miserably because in middle school I made some pretty big mistakes. And by the time I was in ninth grade, I had hardened my heart towards God's word, towards his church, and towards spirituality in general. You see, when the Holy Spirit would convict me, I resisted him. I thought I could run from the spirit, but God's word clearly says in Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I hide from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the depths, you are there. You see, I thought I could run, but Jesus knew. He knew that I wrestled with a hardened heart, that I wrestled with guilt, and I wrestled with trust. All things considered, it left me with a frail spiritual foundation entering high school. And when I did, the whole world decided to shut down. But God used this giant pause button to finally reach my heart. He started to gently unveil to me my sin of which I struggled, and I could no longer run from his presence. But when I saw my sin in its great measure, guilt became my new companion. I had guilt over things I mumbled under my breath, guilt over the way I spoke to my parents, over things my eyes saw but shouldn't have seen. It was grueling. I felt the deepest guilt over the smallest sin, and it wouldn't let go. My mom, she noticed my disconcerted countenance, and many times she would sit by my bed and wait for the burden of my heart to give way, sometimes waiting two hours for me to find the words. But when I was done talking, she wouldn't condemn me, and she wouldn't tell me everything was okay, but instead, she brought me to Scripture. She reminded me of God's promises in 2 Corinthians 7.10, that godly sorrow brings repentance, which leads to salvation. And in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I soon realized that the only escape from the prison of guilt from which I was living was repentance, and the only path to freedom was to trust in Jesus. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Trust him with your sin. Then it came to my junior year. All my wonderful siblings had left the school, and it was just me in the bowling home. There was no shadow for me to hide behind. None. That year, I was placed in multiple leadership positions without any training or preparation. So surely I would need to trust the Lord with the task at hand as being a drill team captain and a theater dance captain. Now this may seem small, minuscule, and no big deal, but to me at the time it felt extremely daunting. I would lead warm-ups, teach choreography, and direct seniors as a junior. Worst feeling ever. I remember dreading the first rehearsal when all eyes would be on me. I could barely drag myself to those practices. But my parents encouraged me every step to my car. They told me, Emily, just push play, use the same music, use the same dance steps. Trust the Lord. He put you in this position for a purpose. Trust him. And to be completely frank, every day was a challenge to trust. Every day was a heavy lift, and every day I took a big breath and told myself, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Trust him with your fears. 
It came to my final year of high school, my senior year. I thought I had it made in the shade. I came out of a season of struggle, and I certainly didn't think my trust would be tested. But my senior year threw me a few curves, and I got a few bumps on the head. I wonder if you've ever heard of or played the game whack-a-mole. Well, if you have, it may be very fun to play at a rodeo or a carnival, but not necessarily in real life. You see, every time I came up for air, I got another whack on the head. But even through this, I learned that I could truly trust my Heavenly Father to let go and to let God. To trust God when you don't get the role in the musical you expected and you feel very much ill-equipped. To trust God when you don't reach the goal you'd hoped and you feel you've let your coaches and your whole team down. To trust God when you don't hear from the college of your dreams and when you do, it's not what you anticipated. And to even trust the Lord when a family member becomes sick. You see your parents grieve and you must encourage them through it. It certainly wasn't easy or fun to learn these lessons, but the more these obstacles kept coming into my life, the more I realized that I had to and I needed to rest in God's unfailing arms. Trust the Lord with all of your heart, even in your pain and disappointment. Now, as the last and the best of the bowlings, <laughs> I would remiss if I didn't give thanks for all the Lord has done for me. So thank you, Lord, for the families, pastors, and staff at Second Baptist Church. And thank you, Dr. Young, for helping me grow in my faith. Thank you for teaching, serving, and most importantly, setting an example for me to follow. I am truly grateful for this church and for you. And finally, thank you, Mom and Dad. They set an example for me day in and day out. Thank you for making church a priority. I'll tell you that even on vacations, the bowlings were back in church on Sunday. Thank you for talking about the scriptures at home. God's word anchored me and will continue to anchor me to truth as I grow up in a broken and corrupt world. And thank you for living a life worthy of the gospel. I saw Christ in them, even when I had a front row seat to their own struggles and flaws. You see, those three things, they've shaped my heart so that I will be able to proclaim Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior and live boldly for him in college and beyond. And you know, one day, the children in our own congregation will grow up in this church like I did, move away and start living a life on their own. So I want to encourage you today to teach yourself, but most importantly, to teach them to trust their Heavenly Father when they stumble, when they fear, when they experience pain and disappointment, and in all things, trust the Lord with all your heart, your sin, your brokenness, your circumstances. Lean not on your own understanding, but of the understanding of God's word, because it is pure and it is true. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he, your forgiving, trustworthy, and heavenly Father will direct your path. Thank you. Good morning, Second Baptist Church. What an honor it is to stand before you today. This church has greatly enhanced my faith, and I'm thrilled to share the way God has used this community to change my life and equip me with the lessons that have prepared me for my time in College Station at Texas A&M University in the fall. I was adopted at a very young age into a wonderful Christian family who has cherished me since the moment they first met me 18 years ago. I started attending Second Baptist School in kindergarten, where I gave my life to Christ when I was five. In second grade, our family decided to visit Second Baptist Church, 
where I soon connected with the Second Kids ministry and the children's worship programs. Once I graduated from JUMP and entered into the J-High ministry, I grew deep relationships with my student pastors and our Bible study leader, Henry. During the summers, I was fortunate enough to participate in the next level camps and sixth grade camp, where I connected with the Lord and built lasting relationships with my friends that continue to this day. Throughout my life, my parents have pushed me to always think about my actions and the impact they have on others. As Christians, what we say and what we do are a direct reflection on Jesus Christ. At school, my Bible teachers reinforce the fundamental ideas associated with being a Christian, starting with understanding the prophecies and parables and finishing with how to practically live a life as a, as a Christian in a secular world. At middle school, I joined the media team here at church, and since then, I served the weekend services in our control room, summer camps at Carolina Creek, and special events around campus. God equipped me with an understanding of technology that I've been able to use to help serve his kingdom. Romans 12.4 states that we have many parts in one body, and all the body's parts do not have the same function, just as a church has many members, and each member has a different role to complete. Our senior Bible teacher this year, Ms. Symington, starts every class with a liturgy. It goes like this. We are the beloved creation and chosen children of the King on high. We have been created in the image of God, and therefore, we have infinite value and worth. Our calling is to bear his image well, to reflect his glory, and to fulfill his calling on our lives within the kingdom of God. Every day, I'm reminded that God has a plan for my life. The creator of the universe, the breath of life, the great redeemer wants me. And not only does he want me, he has entrusted me with a mission to help further his kingdom. Doesn't that fill you with a passion, a burning desire to dedicate your life to completing that assignment? Through my job as a worship media employee, I've been blessed to witness God move amongst our community and change people's lives. This past June, I worked next level camp. I was expecting to have some fun, drive some golf carts and ride some zip lines. And although I did all those things, the Lord had something else in store for me, as he usually does. Every time Second Baptist hosts a large event like this for students, they offer an invitation, providing the kids an opportunity to raise their flag for Christ. It's always an incredible moment to witness these bold kids make that decision in front of their friends and in front of their leaders. But this year, it was even more special to me. When Pastor Caleb invited the kids to come to the stage who made that decision for the first time, they just kept coming and coming and coming. Soon, there were more than 100 kids crowding the stage like it was an altar. It was incredibly moving, and their passion reignited my passion for Christ. As I conclude my time with you, I want to remind you of another passage from Romans 12 that I try to live out every day, and I would encourage you to do the same. Romans 12, 10 through 13 urges believers to be devoted to one another and brotherly love, not lagging behind in diligence, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing humility, devoted to prayer, and rejoicing in tribulation, and hope in tribulation. God does great things in our lives when we trust in him completely. But as I go off to college next semester, I wanna remind ourselves that even though we live in a world that's full of secular ideas and thoughts, we need to do three things. The first, to live our lives as servants of Jesus Christ. 
The second, to never lose sight of the Prince of Peace to weather any storms that we might find ourselves in. And the third, to never lose the passion associated with being a Christ follower. May God bless you, this church, and our country. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Timothy Bacht. I'm a senior here at Memorial High School, and I'll be attending Baylor this fall. For as long as I can remember, every Sunday was spent here at the church. My dad came here 40 plus years ago, my mom followed when they got married, and we've been here ever since. Growing up in a Christian household, hearing stories about Jesus Christ and all the miracles in the Bible was all the norm. I believed I was a Christian, giving my life to Christ at the age of five. But one thing stood out to me in my time here at the church. This one sermon that I heard what felt like over a hundred times. Your parents' faith can't be your own. Every time I heard it, I would tell myself, hey, not everyone has to feel that way, right? At least, not me. Well, I had a teacher, Miss Elisa. She taught us in a way different from any other teacher I had at the time, asking us questions that each required our own unique answers. Where do we come from as humans? Did we really come from a cosmic soup? What about evolution? Is that a reliable theory? Well, she gave us a book, and God said. It argues on behalf of the Bible with many debates scientists may have using modern research and facts, and that changed the way I looked at the word. Every time I would go and read the read the Bible, all I could see was God's hand in all of creation, from the way mathematical principles, like the Fibonacci sequence, are seen in nature with a nautilus shell, or even the statistical impossibility of a simple cell being made without the hand of God. God began to allow me to see just a fraction of the significance of what I was taught growing up. All the miracles of Jesus, they were all the more unique and impossible to prove through reasoning, yet that made me just love reasoning even more. You see, in statistics, there's this theory that in order to prove something, you must first disprove the opposite. I took this, I took this to heart. You see, in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, Paul tells us, and if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. By putting this into con context, I had my two hypotheses. My null, or what I'm trying to prove, being that Jesus is risen. My alternate, or what you're trying to disprove, that he's not. And scientists from all over the world have debated this, hoping to disprove Christianity. They've come up with theories, such as the doppelganger theory, suggesting that Jesus had a twin or a lookalike take his place on the cross. Or even the mass hallucinogenic theory, suggesting that thousands of people all hallucinated Jesus at the exact same time. Or even the fake death theory, suggesting that Somehow, Jesus survived both the crucifixion and a trained Roman guard? Well, of course, all these have been heavily studied and all have fallen short of disproving the resurrection. So, by statistical principles, we would be able to say that since we are unable to disprove the resurrection, it must be true. Jesus is risen. God's hand in the human approach to understand creation changed the way I looked at everything. 
You see, everything I saw was questioned. Every philosophy or idea was guilty until proven innocent. And soon enough, that question came back. Am I a Christian or am I just living my parents' faith? And honestly, I knew the answer to that question. At the same time, my entire life, I'd been, by, I'd been living by the laws of both God and my parents, but I never felt that click people talked about in their testimonies. And soon enough, middle school was coming to an end. It was, me and my family were on a second Baptist mission trip to Lebanon, where my dad was born. We were there to help distribute medical supplies and necessities to the refugees there who really needed them. During this time, I wanted to become an engineer. Growing up, I'd always been told I was great at mathematics and building, so hey, that'd be great, right? Well, one thing stood out to me in my time there. The way my dad, who's a doctor, was able to help a lot of these people in a way that the rest of us really couldn't reminded me of what we hear in the Bible. Faith without works is dead. And honestly, that was really evident. You see, a lot of the people there, whether it be for family beliefs or just personal background, would not have come and heard the gospel. But when medical supply, supplies and accessibility were available, suddenly hundreds of people that normally would not have come were surrounding us and hearing the word. And at this point, God put on my heart that I too wanted to become a doctor so that mission God gave us, I could put it into work, not just words. And then high school came. You see, the difference between a small private school where a Christian environment is at least somewhat present is vastly different from high school, where the, a public environment where the near mention of God or religion felt taboo in any conversation not making light of the subject. Honestly, at this point, God was pulling my heart what felt like nonstop throughout every part of the day, and I just ignored it. You see, I was that kid growing up, all those sermons were trying to reach me, and I just brushed them off to the side. And finally, my first few years of high school were over. It was summertime, and I was at Beach Retreat. For those of you who don't know, Beach Retreat is a week-long summer event hosted by the church for high schoolers, and it does a really good job of exposing you to yourself. Worship there is something else. Imagine thousands of your peers, each with their own unique story and background, jumping and shouting words to music you've only heard sung by a harmonious choir. It really hit me hard, and honestly, it felt releasing. Every night after worship, I would go back feeling open and ready to talk to God about that question he'd been holding for me all those years. Am I a Christian, or am I just living my parents' faith? And honestly, I needed God to change the way our relationship works. I want to feel what I got a hint of during those worship hours on a daily basis, not just on the high of jumping around and having fun, but that warm feeling of someone always being with me. And from that point on, God took the reasoning that I love so much and he used it to expose me to myself. You see, I've never been great at expressing my emotions, but all those emotions I never expressed, they seemed to be understood by him. Finally, I was free. I can't say I know exactly what it looked like towards others, but on the inside, everything changed. Now at this point, trying to share my faith with my peers, especially in high school, is really difficult, especially when everyone you know seems to believe something different, but one thing I found really helps was simply living as God told us throughout the, all the temptations of the world, whether it being the only sober guy at a party to just watching the language I used did wonders. And honestly, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of showing my faith towards my peers, as every year, the amount of times I hear, hey, are you a Christian? 
seems to go up just a little bit more. Thank you all. My name is Madeline. I'm a senior at Sinker Ranch High School. And this upcoming fall, I'll be going to A&M to study nursing. <laughs> to start off, I'd like to share my favorite Bible verse, Genesis 50:20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. It's one of the many Bible verses that my grandmother introduced me to. And I think one of the reasons I love it so much is because of how I've seen it resonate throughout my life. I grew up with my little brother in a small town in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania in an atheist household. And to say the least, it was the epitome of dysfunctional families. It represented sin at its finest. We had everything from drug abuse, alcoholism, to physical abuse. And when I was in fourth grade, my parents got divorced and things took a turn for the worse, to say the least. My mom's abuse got worse and my dad turned to drinking, hoping to solve his problems. And we didn't know what to do. God was the last thing on their minds, and they constantly sought out happiness, their worldly pleasures, without prevail. My brother and I, on the other hand, only sought out to survive in the cruel world that we had been presented with. And I always told myself that it was normal to kind of make the situation I had no control over just a little more bearable. And I told myself that I was just being too sensitive because how could it not be normal when so many people knew what was going on and didn't say anything to me, or at the very least, someone who could help us. I felt like everyone who was meant to help was turning a blind eye. And that's why when years later I read the verse, Psalm 1618, I was so happy because I know the Lord is always with me and I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. The summer after sixth grade, things changed. My mom was chasing me throughout the house, as per usual, yelling at the top of her lungs when she did something that she never had done before. She grabbed me close, hugged me, and smiled the most utterly disgusting smile that I've ever seen in my life. She pulled me in and said in a low tone, I'm gonna kill you, just you wait. I believe every word that she said, she meant it. And then she walked away slowly, as if nothing had happened in the first place, expressionless. And I'd never been that scared before. Not of death itself, but that this was it. Just a lonely, cruel world with nothing more to offer. And shortly later, my brother and I were kicked out of the house, and we couldn't get back in. This wasn't something that was abnormal. It happened a lot, but I got stung by a bee, and I knew that I needed help, so we turned to my mom. We screamed through the window, hoping for help, but she only laughed in return. I had that feeling that we needed to do something. We needed to seek help elsewhere. So we turned to the neighbor. They were about a half mile down the road and were rarely, if ever, home. But we put our faith in them. And only by the grace of God were they actually home for once. We rang the doorbell and they welcomed us into their home without asking any questions or expecting anything in return. And all it took was those two strangers that God put into our life at the right time in the perfect place to save us. I can't imagine what would have happened if they weren't there that day. And later that day, my mom was involuntarily committed to the hospital 
and she lost custody of us. We moved in with my father, who, despite his drinking problems, I always believed to be better than my mom. However, I later learned the lesson that bad doesn't make worse any better. Sin is sin. <laughs> and it was around this time that my dad got remarried, and he was never home. He always said he was too busy using work as an excuse. My stepmom, on the other hand, didn't want anything to do with us. She'd hang out in her room all day, minding her business. And I was in seventh grade at the time, and everything I'd been through really started to hit me. I felt like I needed an outlet. I needed something that I could finally take control over in my life. And I didn't like how I looked, constantly compared myself to others, and decided that the best solution was I should lose some weight, change myself. But it turns into an unhealthy competition against myself to see how long I could go without eating. And nobody ever told me that it was wrong or said anything about it until suddenly it became an issue for my father. However, I later learned that it was my grandmother and my aunt who, after spending a mere week with me, noticed that something was terribly wrong and something had to be done. I went to numerous doctors, was assigned a meal plan that I refused to follow, and... I felt like the control that I finally gained was being taken away from me, and I felt lost and alone. I felt like there was no hope for me, and I didn't want to do. I just wanted to disappear at the time, and I felt like that was all I had. In 2017, I was hospitalized due to numerous complications due to my eating disorder, and nobody knew. I didn't have any to tell my friends, and my dad didn't give me any help always saying that he was too busy. And I felt like even if I got better, there was nothing waiting for me outside of the hospital. I continued this struggle with my eating disorder up until 2019 when my dad told me something terrible. He told me I was being kicked out of the house and I was no longer allowed in my own home. I wasn't able to go home and was sent to boarding school. And before the school year was over, I was back in the hospital. That summer, I needed somewhere to go and my grandparents let me stay with them. And that year, they gave me the best offer that I think I've ever received in my life. They offered to let me stay with them. I finally had a place that I could call home. And everything wasn't automatically all sunshine and rainbows. There was a long way to go, but things were looking up. My grandparents introduced me to God and I started coming here to Second. I joined the High School Ministries Bible Study Group. And in September 2019, my life changed here at Second, and I was baptized, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. <laughs> Healing everything that's been broken over the years has been a crazy uphill battle, but God's given me the strength and put so many amazing people into my life so I can become the person that I am today and stand here in front of all of you amazing people and share my story. And honestly, on one hand, I wish I hadn't been through all the things that I've gone through. But on the other, God's given me strength and used the circumstances to shape me into who I am today. And for that, I wouldn't change a thing. I pray that God uses my story to bring him glory. And I thank well every day for everyone in my life for giving me the strength and helping me pursue God and giving me the options and the opportunities to build my life into what it is today. I wanna to be able to do all the things I'm doing and honestly, I'm living a life that's wonderful 
and that I once would have thought was impossible. I can't thank those around me enough for everything, especially for introducing me to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. God's already worked so many miracles in my life, from the miracle itself to all these great people. And I hope that he'll use me as a testament to the hope found in God. Hebrews 2.18 says, because he himself was tested through what he suffered, he's able to help those who are being tested. God saved me from both the life I was presented with and the harm I caused myself. And for that, I will always rejoice. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing um, <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to gather here and study your word. I pray that you continue to change our hearts and lives, that we would go out and further your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Madeline, God's going to lead you here to what you could have imagined.